Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Big on the Inside, the new Who. Not to the oh, I've messed it up. Let me start again. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, I... <laughs> Wait, I'm still laughing. <laughs> Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the new Who. Oh, Christ, what the? F- How can I, why can't I get it? Give me a second. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, the new Who. Not to... <laughs> I can hear you laughing. Why can't I say? <laughs> I'm the Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castelbrus. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a Doctor, but I am. I'm a Doctor. That's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, the new Who, Doctor Who, Watch Along podcast. Uh, with me, as always, is my friend Harry Murdoch. What episode are we watching today, Harry? Today, Tim, we are doing the Christopher Eccleston classic, Boomtown. In Cardiff, with Rose and Captain Jack. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> because it, it sounds just like him, but at the same time, no, sounds nothing like him. <laughs> the sad thing is, um, I'm at a drama school on NA right now, and I was told today that there are going to be um, workshops where we learn to do accents. So my Northern accent could potentially get half decent and then I won't be able to do the funny Eccleston voice anymore. (laughs) What a shame we probably won't be doing series one anymore by that point. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll be able to whip out my uh, bad David Tennant impression. Don't do it now, you've got to wait, you've got to wait. Subscribe so you can hear that. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about Boomtown, which is the 11th episode of series one. We've only got two more left after this, so that's going to be exciting. Um, I was, I didn't really know what to make of this episode. What did you think of it, Harry? Um, I mean, I know a bit about the background of this episode, which I'll go into um, a little later, but kind of on first impressions, um, it's a very kind of low-stakes episode. Um, for most of it, it's just kind of our, like, main foursome just kind of going on a little weekend trip to Cardiff <laughs> and just kind of some spending some casual time with them. And when a threat does eventually propose itself, it's quite short lived. It's um as a you know, as an episode to just kind of like let us spend time with these characters and get to know them a bit better and enjoy their company. It is is quite nice. I do enjoy it. Although considering that um this is um, it's not Eccleston's penultimate episode, but it's his one before that. Mm. You'd kind of think that you'd maybe want to spend, you know, the little time you have left with him doing something a bit more substantial, especially the kind of team up of him, Rose and Captain Jack, which you don't only have really in kind of five episodes total. Uh, yeah, um, right, yeah. That specific team up. Yeah, yeah, and even even in Empty Child, the Doctor dances. They don't share that many scenes together. Mm, this is kind of their first full episode with them as a full TARDIS team. No, as yeah. the only one with most 
free and Mickey as well. Yeah, I'll get on to Mickey because I love Mickey. But I want to talk about Jack first. Yeah. He's a very different type of Jack, I feel, to what we see later on in the series. and Especially with um, the Tenant era. He's very different. In what regard do you think? I found him to be very cheesy and very corny. Yeah, like, like, when he pick- like doing that little um, buying his lip and doing the W. Yeah, yeah. And when he picks up the hoverboard and he's like, whoa, look at this. And he's like saying what it is. And he's like, and you stand on it and you're protected by this big invisible shield. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I suppose the thing of, um, because this is obviously not Moffat writing Jack anymore. This is Russell C. Davis. Mm. And I suppose if, if Moffat is the one who created Captain Jack, um, is it? Is it Moffat who created the character? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I suppose maybe it's a thing where Russell really liked that character and so he wanted to, you know, do more with him. And maybe this is kind of him finding his feet with Jack and writing for Jack. Yeah, yeah maybe. Which is perhaps why it's a bit of, yeah. Which is maybe perhaps why you sense a bit of dissonance between him and the last story in this one. Yeah. I noticed one thing about Jack was he is the first character in 11 episodes to ask why the TARDIS looks like a big blue box. And it takes 11 episodes for them to explain that. (laughs) Mm. I think they pass it, like in the first episode, I think the doctor says it's a police box and that's it. But it's never explained. He says it's a disguise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All he gives is a disguise. Yeah. And obviously, I think we learn later on in. Series three, I think David Tennant's doctor explains that there's some kind of psychological manipulation field that makes people ignore it. But um, honestly, I kind of prefer the explanation. Yeah, I kind of prefer the explanation in this episode, which is if a person sees a strange box, they just walk past it and get on with their day. Yeah, in a way that kind of feels more honest. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So this episode is set three, uh, no, sorry, it's set six months after World War Three. I was under the understanding that the S- Slovene died at the end of World War Three. Um, most of them did, but the I think they that the um one which we follow in this episode had some kind of emergency teleportation device, uh, which she used okay. at the very last minute to get away. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay, I wasn't aware last- of that. Yeah, because obviously when she runs away from them, she tries to use a teleportation thing. She does. And uh, the doctor uses, yeah, his little, you know, solid screwdriver to redirect her back to them. Yeah, I was going to suggest that maybe the version that we see in Aliens of London World War Three is a future version that is born from the egg that we see at the end of this version. Hmm. I don't think that's quite... No, I think... Because I think they refer... It quite explicitly, she refers explicitly to the events of um, World War Three and yeah. Alien. Is it yeah, oh, what was it called? Aliens in London. Aliens yeah. in London, World War Three. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, also, in this episode is the return of Mickey. He gets slightly mm. better treatment at the start of the episode. It does go downhill for him very quickly. Yeah, because in the episode The Empty Child, where Jack reads Rose's psychic paper, it gives lots of details mm. about Rose and says, in a relationship, but considers herself single, I think it says. But when she knows mm-hmm. she's coming back to Cardiff, she gets Mickey to come all the way from London to Cardiff so she mm. can see him. 
Yeah, and I mean, yeah, the relationship between her and Mickey, it's really quite, it's a tough one to watch, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's, Mickey says kind of the thing of, um, am I going to have to spend my life waiting around for you because I will? Yeah. And it's kind of, that like I've revealed is kind of Mickey really does, he deeply cares, he really <laughs> loves Rose, but, you know, ever since the doctor's arrived, he's gone this adventure, he's just been losing and losing what must have been, you know, a, a pretty good relationship. Yeah, yeah. It just seems to me that Rose is maybe not the best girlfriend to have at this point. It seems that she no. was very lovely to Mickey and they got on very well when they were both on Earth, but for some reason... I think maybe from Rose where there was a scene where Mickey's holding onto Rose when the TARDIS mm. lands and he's like freaking out. Maybe that was a sign of this guy's a bit of a wimp, I'm going to go with the Doctor. Yeah, perhaps. My boyfriend drives a yellow uh, VW Beetle and this guy has a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, although I am kind of glad that um, towards the end of this episode you do kind of start to see a bit of kind of self-awareness and guilt from Rose. Yeah. Especially when they have that argument, don't they? Yeah. And then afterwards, when she goes back to the TARDIS, you can tell that she's kind of really kind of regretting how she was and how she's been with him. Yeah, one thing I did notice on this episode is maybe it... I felt this whole episode was only written to set up themes for the the next series and the remaining Mm. two episodes. It sort of sets up key points we need to know for episodes 12 and 13 and it also sets mm. up the end the penultimate of series two maybe not um directly but they're there yeah i mean i feel like perhaps because i know a little bit about um like i said before um i know that ugh, sorry let me just catch myself i'll start this again now i think there might actually be a reason for why this episode feels so um, functional. I think that um, I've heard a little bit about the behind-the-scenes development of this first series, and originally Boomtown as an episode wasn't planned to be part of the series. They had another episode okay. which was written, and um, I'm not sure if it was written by Russell or a different writer, but um, the episode, I think, they had at least the first draft, and they just really didn't like it. It, so they scrapped it and wrote Boomtown instead, which could perhaps explain why it's so, um, you know, kind of functional and why, you know, it takes place in Cardiff Easy filming. Yeah, do you um, know what that um, original episode was yeah. going to be? Um, I don't know what its name was going to be or if it had a name, but basically the plot of the episode was that it was going to reveal that um, the Ninth Doctor had um, been watching and visiting rose at various stages throughout her life to the point that we meet her in rose and that he'd been kind of in small ways kind of influencing her to form her into the perfect companion for him that's dreadful uh it's it yeah it's quite a creepy concept yeah it is a bit like the doctor just picks a random child and goes you're the one i'm gonna (laughs) travel with in the future yeah, and then kind of subconsciously like mould it into a perfect travelling partner. It's so you can completely understand why 
Yeah. I mean, we've said before that a doctor does give off a bit of a controlling vibe at some points. Yeah, I think we noticed that in um is it World Aliens of London? Yeah, World War Three, yeah, where he basically yeah. gives a dirty time lord sex talk on the phone and then she mm. runs back out the flat and comes straight to the TARDIS and they disappear together. Yeah. It's just like an ultimatum, well, isn't there? Mm. So yeah, I, I guess that kind of in the end Russell kind of decided yeah, that is a bit creepy and weird and not the kind of vibe you want our hero to have. And so decided to scrap and write Boomtown instead. And with that perspective, um, you know, I kind of appreciate Boomtown for, you know, giving us just so, a nice opportunity to spend some time with these characters. Yeah. I think I'm the character... Oh, sorry, go on. No, I was done. I think the characterization of um, the Doctor in this one is something we haven't seen before. I couldn't help but think he's coming across a bit of like a bit of a dickhead for quite a lot of it. Really, uh, like towards the Savine or towards Margaret a bit, towards Mickey, not so much towards Jack, mm. not towards Rose, but maybe indirectly towards Rose by insulting Mickey. I guess sort of patronizes Rose a little yeah. bit, especially when. Mm. Um, they bring Margaret onto the TARDIS and she's talking about if she goes home, she's going to be killed and when she crash-landed. And the Doctor's just like openly laughing at her. He treats her a bit like she's an idiot. Yeah, I mean, I guess kind of... Yeah, it's quite cold um, for them to kind of do that, especially with... At that point, do they have the knowledge that when they take... when he takes her back to her home planet, I'm not even going to even try and pronounce it, that she's essentially going to get a death sentence. You can't say a Raxacorical Thalapatorius. Oh, get you. <laughs> I thought you'd know how to say that. I, I mean, I, I can't even remember it. I'm uh, impressed that you, did you... When did you go to the effort to memorise the name? Probably when I was seven. Really? Yeah, I've always, I've, something I've always known. Also, the Absorber hmm. Love comes from their twin planet, Clom. But we'll get to that when we get to the best episode of Doctor Ever, Love and Monsters. Anyway. That <laughs> statement may or may not be ironic. Yeah. <laughs> so, even though the Doctor treats Margaret like she's an idiot, I think she comes across a very strange character. There's a, I think a lot of the characters, especially the Doctor and Margaret, have very strange characterizations. Especially so when mm. the Slovene is sat on the toilet getting upset over the fact that she can't have kids. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of follow-up to that character. And it's interesting to try and take her in this direction where she's kind of starting to kind of develop and grow beyond just being a completely cold villain. But then, as the Doctor points out, you know, you spare a few lives, but at the end of the day, you take so many more. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, yeah. Mm. It's, it's an interesting one where it's kind of like, on one hand, there are kind of a lot of kind of layers to it, a lot of dimensions to it, but at the same time, it's quite black and white, and she's still, you know, an evil monster. No, yeah, definitely. There's um, Bad Wolf makes its first, I'd say, proper appearance, where it's mentioned by... Mm. Um, a main active character, but then again, just brush straight under the rug. Yeah, it's bad wolf. Two wears follows us wherever we go. Oh well, I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Let's carry on. 
That's definitely. Imagine something. if like that was. Sorry, go on. Imagine if that was like literally it. Imagine if that was the resolution to Bad Wolf. <laughs> yeah, because I, like I think that really lends itself into what I said earlier about this just being an episode to set up the penultimate two episodes. Mm. Yeah, I'm just looking. I can edit around this if I remember. If if I haven't remembered to edit around this silence, and subscribe. <laughs> oh but yeah, the, the jokes in this episode. I found that some of the jokes to be slightly cheesy and corny, and not really work for me. Especially when Mickey rides in the TARDIS and they go, uh, "What do they say?" I wrote it down. Um, what the hell do they say? Uh, they go into time and space, and then they clap hands. Okay, they all high five. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I mean, what I the hell like, is that? I wonder how much time have the three of them been spending together yeah. for them to have that kind of sitcom <laughs> rapport. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 was in, I watched it and I was like, ooh. I didn't know if it was meant to meant to be funny think, or meant to come across cheesy because yeah. we're seeing it from Mickey's point of view. Yeah, I think it was meant to come across cheesy. That kind of the three of them have got kind of a weird level of closeness together. I mean, I actually have heard one half jokey, half not really jokey um, theory that um, the three of them are basically in a uh, thruple. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> Which, you know, uh, that would um, explain a fair bit. I'm sure there's some horrible, horrible fan fiction out there. One thing that I did notice is the Doctor has a mobile phone. When they go into the city oh, hall yeah. and they all pull out a mobile, the Doctor just has, like, a Nokia on him. Where, where the hell did he get that? Uh, I guess I just, like, picked it up. I reckon I just went to the... Um, I just went to the... I'm, do they have a name of... Do phone shops have... I can't remember the last time I actually saw a phone shop. Um, you don't really get phone shops anymore. You get phone networks, don't you? Yeah, yeah. But, like, I'm trying to think of, like, what the name of, like, a phone, phone like shop is in the UK. just into the phone um, warehouse or somewhere like that. Yeah, that's it. It's <laughs> like they just popped into a, the Cardiff's car phone warehouse branch and <laughs> grabbed those little mobile phones. <laughs> um, there is, I think we've given it... There's a, a lot of weird things this episode. It is, yeah. I was going to say, we, we give it a slightly bad rap, but I think it does have some interesting themes where we maybe sympathise with the alien more than we do with the actual mm. main crew. Rose doesn't yeah. come across very well. The Doctor doesn't come across the best when he's with Margaret. Jack just is Jack throughout it. So the only real characters we really sympathise with are Mickey and Margaret. Mm. Yeah. How did you find them? Um, yeah. How did you find the characterization of Margaret? I found her okay. I thought, yeah, I thought she was interesting. Um, I thought the choice to kind of um, flesh out a Slovene was an interesting one. Um, it's uh, part of me kind of missed the um, farting fun times. Um, oh well, I, like... <laughs> I'm not sure about that because at the start of the episode, she goes into the toilet and lets rip. And yeah, I heard it and I was like, "Oh, it just—it isn't funny in this song for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe because it's mm. not free that aliens farting. It's just a woman having chronic diarrhea on the toilet. <laughs> it's because like, she didn't say, 'I'm shaking my booty.' Like that's what really <laughs> makes or breaks it. 
No, yeah, you are right. No, you def- I definitely agree with you there. Um, one scene that I really think played for Margaret's favour is um, the scene that seemed towards the end where she grabs hold of Rose. Oh, yeah. I felt, even though you know how it's going to turn out, you know Rose is going to escape, everything's going to be fine. You still watch that, you're thinking, I don't know a way out of this. I don't know how... Yeah. And I, I think you couldn't predict what was going to happen with the TARDIS console opening and her looking into the heart of the TARDIS. Because yeah. we don't know about that. Mm. Again, Is another that, um, plot point that was set the, up for what's for what's to yeah. come. On the subject of the heart of TARDIS, is that something that we only see in this series of the show? Is that because I can't think of it reappearing down line in New Who at least? I'm having a look now. I don't recall seeing it. Yeah. Um. Oh no, obviously Matt Smith. Matt Smith. He travels. He goes into to the centre of the TARDIS. Yeah, but that's yeah. not the heart of the TARDIS. That's like the journey to the centre of the TARDIS, but it's the heart the at the centre of the TARDIS. I'm on um, fandom.com TARDIS. Okay. Heart of the TARDIS. Here we go. Um, do, 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 do. The heart of the TARDIS, also known as space-time element, was a core, um, was a core element of TARDIS technology. I'm looking for when it first appeared. Maybe Arc of Infinity, perhaps. Right, okay. Commander so Maxwell removes the space and time element to stop the Fifth Doctor from leaving Gallifrey to avoid his execution. So yeah, it's gone under different names, but it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, the Fifth Doctor, okay. the Seventh Doctor, and then in Boomtown, the Parting of Ways, and the mm. Parting of Ways again. Uh, after the Tenth Doctor's regeneration, um, caused massive damage to the console room and forced crash landing. The console room was repaired and remodeled into a new design. Now the heart now the heart was relocated right down the, uh, right below the console covered by a protective bubble instead of, in, um, instead of inside the console. The cover was held uh, where am I? The cover, the cover also helped cover up the glass floor in the 11th hour. Ah, right. Okay. So, and I think okay. it does make an appearance in Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. And mm-hmm. the engine was critically damaged, exploding, and opened a time rift. Cracked in time. Yeah. So it's appeared yeah. now and again. It's gone under different names. So it's not... Maybe I was wrong when I said it's something we haven't really seen, but we didn't know it's it had this element, I don't think, where it could literally kill yeah, someone. Certainly the first time that New Who has introduced it, which for a lot of people would have been their introduction to the series as a whole. You mean there was a series before this? Um, I thought this was the first Doctor. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, sorry. You know what it is? I had like a dream or something that were like eight other Doctors before this one. No, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. Chris Ruckerson is the first Doctor. Yeah. And they based it off the Funko Pops, didn't they? The Funko Pops. And they were like, oh, that's a good idea. We'll make a TV show about this. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Ah. And um, there's Funko Pops. And uh, I think like uh, these, these little, this line of action figures from like, the 80s and 90s of these like um, pepper pots with like sticks coming out of them. Um <laughs> They were called like Daylux or something, um, but they're like, "Hey, we should make a show about these guys." <laughs> um, at the end of the episode, Mickey Smith, 
he looks really pissed off, doesn't he, when he sees Rose's come back for him, but isn't really trying that hard. She hasn't. We know he's got a mobile phone. He had it with him earlier on. Why didn't she just phone him? Because I, I guess maybe Rose kind of part of her knows that Mickey doesn't want to talk to her. Yeah. Yeah, and then one moment which I do really like at the end of the episode is when I kind of ha- when. Uh, Margaret's turned into the egg and they talk about her saying that she can like have a start over and Rose kind of just says almost to herself that'd be nice and it's kind of, I kind of like that hint that Rose kind of regrets the route she's taken and kind of wishes that she could start things over with Mickey and start from a better place with Mickey. Yeah that's true I was thinking imagine if Mickey had turned out the same way Adam Mitchell did <laughs> what do you mean? Like, well, for those who don't know, you can go and listen to our um, the Long Game podcast, or for your own sanity, just watch the video we made where we talk about what actually happened to Adam after the show. But I think... Oh, you mean you think you should go full villain? <laughs> yeah, why not? He'd be pissed off at the doctor. He has more reason to go full villain than um, Adam Mitchell did. For those who haven't listened, Adam, at the end of the Long Game and the Doctor Who comics spends the rest of his life trying to hunt down the Doctor and at some point gets all the Doctors together and is killed by the Master. Anyway, it didn't really make sense for that character. But Mickey has genuine reasons, I feel, to be annoyed with the world of Doctor Who. Hmm. But I guess that Mickey's just going to show us that he's much more of a stand-up guy than Adam Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've only got one last note on this episode. I didn't make as many notes as normal. My last note is this. Mickey is one horny guy. As soon as he and Rose get time alone, he instantly wants to take her to a hotel room. I mean, you know, it's, a, it's been a, a year and a half. To be fair, Mickey does look like a good boyfriend, so I think even if Mickey Smith asked me to go to a hotel room, I'd be, I'd be straight up there. Anyway, Harry... It's the, be- <laughs> it's the best part of all our podcasts. It's the part you look forward to the most. It's a do, 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 do. quiz. It's the quiz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so here we go. I have, one, I have three questions for you. Are you ready? Yep. What was the coldest planet ever that Rose and the Doctor went to? What was the name of it? The... She mentions it, like, it when she's with Mickey just before uh, they have their argument. I don't know where this comes from. Like New Venus or something? No, it's Woman Wept. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. That's a, add that to the list of things you've got wrong. where New Venus came from. What does the doctor order at the restaurant with Margaret? Steak and chips? Yes! Mm, got you it. got one right. Final question. Who is Mickey now dating? Oh, what's her name? Who works at the shop? Yeah. Um, uh, is it like Angela or no. something? Who is it? Trisha Delaney. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I really, I I really like Trisha that scene. Delaney. Yeah. She's good. I feel bad about Trisha Delaney. Yeah, <laughs> they have this really good like, scene where she's talking about all oh, these amazing places and how the water froze and they were walking under these 20 foot um, ice waves which I'm sure we'll hear about more in the I've got to big finish audio stories 
And then all of a sudden, Mickey just goes, I'm dating Trisha Trish Delaney from the shop. And she's like, she's a bit thick. He's like, she's lost weight. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess um, I understand why he says that, because obviously that's, you know, the two of them kind of spending their first time together in, like, ages. And all Rose talks about is her and the Doctor. Yeah, six months and herself and the Doctor. Yeah, and they get the first time you get to spend time together on their way to a you know a hotel room for some uh, pizza, and all she can talk about is all the, is the doctor and what she's been doing with the doctor, which on one hand makes sense, but on the other hand, you know it kind of it's a bit of a mood killer. Yeah, so bit, yeah. I guess that was kind of him him coming out with that was kind of his way of kind of confirming that it's over between the two of them. Yeah. Although then, of course, later on, she gets jealous and messes with his emotions all over oh, again. So. Poor old Mickey. So on your famous, famous scale of... Do you, want to, do you want to do your scale? Can you remember what it was called? Well, what's I... the, what's... Why won't you just die? Yeah, no, that's, that's, it. that's one. So that's one. And... Round about five yeah. is about I am so impressive. And mm. number ten is what, Harry? Number 10 is fantastic. So where on your list are you rating Boomtown? Um, I like Boomtown more than Long Game. I'll say oh, that. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, although, um, I think it's only a, it's, oh, it's not above anything else. It's just above... Um, it's the second worst episode of the series. Well, yeah, second least favourite. There's no episodes which I dislike. Um, like even in this episode, I did actually genuinely enjoy just seeing these characters hanging out and spending time with each other. Like the mm. scene where they're kind of in the re- in the cafe and just kind of telling stories and all laughing. That's that's really nice. And it's kind of refreshing to see the Doctor with this kind of connected friendship group because so often he's kind of on his own. So kind of it was a refreshing change of pace but not exactly what I'm looking for when I tune into Doctor Who. No, well, one thing I noticed about that scene in particular is the way Rose is looking at Jack. She's, like, looking at him, like, with this, like... She's, like, biting her lips and, like, pulling with her hair and playing with her hair. It's like, Jack talks about all these amazing stories. And her boyfriend is just sat right opposite. Well, he's, he's laughing along. <laughs> I mean, maybe one thing that I really have noticed from this series is that maybe Rose is a good companion for Doctor Who, but maybe she's not the best person. No, I've heard a lot of people say that, that there are a lot of people who can't stand Rose as a companion because of just how selfishly she can and she can act at certain points. Yeah, no. Uh, I personally do like Rose because I think feel like the show kind of acknowledges her flaws. Like this episode does very much acknowledge where she's gone wrong. Yeah. Um, and I, I, like I've said before, I think the chemistry between her and Eccleston is um, next to none, a uh, second to none yeah, in they, terms of they just have really good chemistry. Yeah. But yeah. what, one thing that I did find interesting, maybe we're going slightly off topic here, is that, and I've mentioned it a couple of times, is there is talk of adventures they've had off screen. Mm. And do you think we might see some of these in Big Finish? I think that, because obviously the 
I think there's definitely potential for it. Um, because obviously the the stories that kind of Rose recounted are the kind of things which we don't see on TV because you need a gargantuan TV budget to achieve it. Yes. But with an audio book, you just need the right, or like an audio adventure, you just need the right sound effects to really sell it. Yeah. So I think if they want um, a story with direct links to the show, it's very possible that one or more could be used as adaptations. I'm imagining they might want to go down the route more of creating original stories just so we can mm. have adventures that are a bit more exciting with a bit more kind of, you know, frills and monsters rather than just kind of, you know, the places Rose describes are kind of sound more like, you know, nice little trips as opposed to anything where super high stakes encounters occur. No, yeah, I definitely agree. Cool. So I think we'll wrap up. Boomtown. It's been a slightly shorter episode, around half an hour compared to normal 40 to an mm. hour long we normally do. So, but it's Boomtown. What did you expect? I think we both knew going into this, there wasn't really going to be a lot to talk about with Boomtown. It'll be someone's favourite episode. And to that person, I say, grow up. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just a nice episode. It's a nice episode. Um, yeah, if it's your favourite episode. If this is then... your, there's something wrong with you. If this is your favourite episode. Okay. I feel like Doctor Who probably isn't the show for you if your favourite episode is one like Boomtown. Um, yeah. Like, it's kind of why you're watching Doctor Who, because it kind <laughs> of is so un-Doctor Who in how it's uh, structured. Yeah, there's no, no time travel. There's no real alien threat. Um, the, the only threat is sort of fixed in the first five minutes, ten minutes of the episode. So yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. But that said, we do have some... Um, we, I won't mention it now. I'll wait till maybe um, our next episode or the very last episode to talk about some um, stuff that we do have coming up after we finish Series 1 and before we go into Series 2. We have some um, exciting stuff coming up. And one thing coming up that I'm very excited about, that you can probably already know if you go over to our Twitter account. Oh, oh what you can hear now. One second. What's that? My alarm clock. <laughs> but I be- All right, quick side note. Um, I bought an alarm clock. I set it to nine because I want to get up at nine in the morning. I've clearly set it to 9 p.m. by accident. Um, right. I'll fix Probably it. You know. Let me try. I'll, I'll fix it afterwards. But yeah, if you go onto our Twitter, you can probably tell what I'm pretty excited about. We've, um, I- I'd say it's an exclusive. Would you say it's an exclusive, Harry? I'd say so. I think that the um, thing which we have recently done um, has not been done by the parties involved um, up to this point. Mm. Um, I think that some of the information which we have um, uncovered from what we have done may potentially be brand new, undocumented. Um so it's all quite exciting stuff. How would you describe it in one word? What we've done? Yeah. Uh, I would describe it as... Maybe a word that begins with F. <laughs> <laughs> I would describe it as fabulous. Ah, damn you. <laughs> Thank you for listening, guys. If you want more 
bigger on the inside pod because this just wasn't enough for you. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at bigger on the pod, follow us on YouTube, bigger on the inside podcast, acast shows.acast.com forward slash bigger on the inside. Leave us a five star review on iTunes and email us bigger on the inside pod at gmail.com. I'm going to say goodbye, so bye bye. And now, Harry, do you want to say goodbye as well? Bye bye. Don't forget to click below and subscribe to the official Bigger on the Inside podcast.